This is Juice Plus Chronicles, the podcast, as we go through life in the everyday struggle and as we value the two ideas of self and togetherness. You are now listening to Juice Plus Chronicles. Welcome back to another week, another episode. This is episode 60 of Juice Plus Chronicles, the podcast, Being Black in America. And I just wanted to give a brief background before we jump into the whole conversation. I do have a special guest that's going to come on. They're going to give a little brief backstory of who they are and what they do and all that good stuff. But I just want to come on first and for the record and just to say that we matter. Black lives do matter. Um living in a society that tells us that we're supposed to be you know at a lower level and we're not at this higher level and standard but you have to realize as the black culture and as we continue to thrive and as we continue to push barriers we can be this these people of high standards and high value and we can appreciate where we come from and the things that make us who we are our ancestors didn't fight this fight alone, we have to help them. Hello, everybody. My name is Christian Good, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. I am a graduate of Texas College in Tyler, Texas, an historical black institution. Uh, I am in politics. I am currently uh, getting ready to run for uh, either state representative for congressional black, or excuse me, or uh, Congress. I am a member of the Congressional Black Caucus. I do pay my dues and go every year. I've worked on countless campaigns for as black individuals who run for uh, representatives of the great state of Texas. And so I am eager to be on this podcast um, to uh, voice opinions and, 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 and talk about what is going on here in America. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, before we do get started about like what's happening like right at this moment, what made you like pursue going on the you said the was the black congressional caucus, correct? Yeah, Congressional Black Caucus. I'm mm-hmm. a part of Black Congressional uh, Congressional Black Caucus. Um, East Texas um, Black Democrats, East, uh, Texas Black Democrats as well, um, and. Uh, and a part of the uh, national uh, criminal justice of blacks, blacks and criminal justice. So uh, I tried to build my resume up in that sense for stuff of this nature that's going on here in America. I see, I see. So what's like the main, like, you know, purpose of those groups and like how does it contribute to like people today in society? Well, we're, um, majority of the groups I'm in, of course, are all black um, individuals. Now, of course, and we don't, we don't discriminate. You can definitely join right. as um, a Caucasian or any um, ethnical race. But um, uh, we, we just support the black community. Um, we try to support our black police officers. Um, we try to support um, our black candidates who run for office, uh, uh, people like me who wants to, who was inspired to run and, and other people who are inspired to run in different states and areas. Uh, of course, I'm from Texas, so we try to support those in Texas. Um, the lady that I did run and helped run with, I was actually um, second command assistant to her campaign. Her name was Dr. Sherla McKellar. She ran against Louis Gohmert, 
uh, first district in Texas. Of course, we lost because um, we're still trying to figure out how can we get the message across to those voters there in East Texas. Very, very rural, uh, very, very uh, white. Um, but we're trying to push that message to them that, hey, you're voting against your own interests. And if you see the stuff that's going on here today, the person who represents you in Congress does not give a damn about uh, um, this situation right here. He only cares about foreign policies. He only cares about um, things that's going over uh, across the border as far as our Latinos, brothers and sisters. Um, but situations like this, which is domestic, domestic problems that's happening in America. Uh, the representatives are not caring. There's a lot of representatives who don't care. And I went, of course, we're tired of thoughts and prayers. And I said um, yesterday that I believe that God, and I'm an uh, evangelical, I believe that God is tired of thoughts and prayers because he gives us free will. He gives us the Holy Spirit um, to uh, to make a change. And so if you're tired of saying this stuff and you're saying our thoughts and prayers, I need you to go ahead and do something about it. Exactly. And I like the point that you made that you said, like, a lot of people, like, representatives don't necessarily, like, care about what the issues that are happening. Because I feel like a lot of younger people, like, around, like, probably, like, 20, my age, something like that, are saying, like, oh, people in power aren't doing, especially people in power that are, like, African-American or whatever, they're not doing what they're supposed to do to try to help the community out. And then, right. So I was like, that's another problem as well, because, you know, they say that, oh, if black people gain a position of power, then maybe things will start changing. I feel like that can be true, but it also it depends on the person and if they want to make a change as well. And and, and I'll say this, too. And I can. And this is on record. I just called Karen Bass, Representative Karen Bass office, of course, on the coronavirus. Um, I couldn't get to a representative, but they allow you to leave a voicemail. And I told her, I said, you are the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. You represent everybody who is black that's a representative in Congress and, so to speak, a representative of everybody in Texas and Florida and all other states who are black and representatives of their respected cities and districts and whatnot that they, they have ran for their positions I said I need you to step it up right or you will get or you will get voted out because there's people like me who are 25 there's people who like you who are 20 on their way to 25 and I know you're pursuing your degree in and um and uh pharmacy or is it dental yes pharmacy pharmacy and but of course you can still run for Congress. You can still run for representatives and still do your practice for pharmacy and be a pharmaceutical, whatever. I'm not familiar with the medical field and pharmacy field, but whatever you do in that sense, you can still be a representative. And like I said, I told her, there's people that are eager to unseat you. So she needs to step it up. And and I do have a solution. And when you're ready for the solution, we'll talk about the solutions on how we can fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a solution on how we can fix this problem that we that we're facing. And it's sad that and I just tweeted this. I said, America, America, America. It's sad that we worry about foreign policies, foreign problems like in Venezuela, you know. But this problem right here has been going on for the past. 50, 60 plus years. Exactly. 
I'm, I'm tired of that. You know what I'm saying? We tired of stuff like this. Well, how, how many times does it have to happen? You know? But when we talk about the solution and your solution and my solution, and we'll compare and contrast and see, um, we'll, we'll see if that if um, we can try to fix this problem that we're facing. Because we could have grown up in this. Right. <laughs> you twenty. You twenty. I'm twenty five. We should have grown up in it. All the baby boomers is they're they're leaving. They're leaving. You know, our grandparents are leaving. And, you know, and so now it's time for us to step up and make a change. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like right now, like the protests that are happening right now, especially the one in Atlanta that's happening near CNN. A lot of people are seeing like why they're going after like CNN and things like that. I think it's not because of, you know, we know, obviously we know CNN is favor of like Democrat, Democratic. So they're like saying like, why are they going after CNN and things like that? I think it's bigger because of the attraction CNN can pull and like, you know, the popularity CNN does have. And the mayor of Atlanta did recently just spoke down. She was like, we're they're like, you know destroying CNN building like for what like why y'all guys doing that and I don't know like how do you feel about that did you hear about that when the mayor said that well I, I one of my friends she's unverified on Twitter she's a journalist and um she said something about um that in that in that aspect and I believe that it is kind of sort of, of ignorance I understand the protest and understand those types of things and then and of course we know that uh, protesting and rioting is, you know, for people to get the to, for us to get the attention of the people and, and whatnot. Um, but certain certain things you definitely um, should not you should not do. Um, like us, I'm very very neutral on the rioting part mm-hmm. or, or certain on certain aspects. You know, I wouldn't want to get into it, and I don't want to get. Before it, I don't want to be against it. I just want to be down the middle because I do feel the pain of these people, and um, and for them to destroy a media outlet at that, which has the opportunity to show our voice. Exactly. You know, that's right in a sense. That in a sense, right there is. It, yeah. You know, so that right there, I'll be like, come on, y'all, you guys. Damn, y'all need to get get it together because, you know, that's that's helping us get our point across. And you're destroying the media outlet. So, yeah. So so speaking about that, you know, that that right there, I believe that that's definitely it. That definitely is wrong. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, like, I saw something happen where they, like, um, set fire to a police station and things like that. I was like... I don't know, like like you said, you want to be neutral in the situation, but it comes to a point where sometimes it's crossing a line and like you have to like stop back and say, is all the violence, is all the violence going to solve the bigger issue at hand in a sense? That is true. That is true. But we definitely want to get the point across. And if one fire of a building gets the point across, mm-hmm. then we need to make a change. Yeah, I am all for it. Right. Um, especially like the the peaceful protests. I guess they're saying like being peaceful doesn't work. We try being, you know, playing the nice game. You know, we try to get our voices heard. Back even when the Trayvon Martin situation happened, those things like that, we saw people 
you know, express their opinions about the situation and try to, you know, come with some understanding about what's happening. But it seems like time and time after again, it's like we're getting screwed over and it's like, when is a change going to come? Yeah. Even when, um, go ahead. It's very, very, it's very, very devastating to see those types of things happen in America, and 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 it's just nonstop every year. And I definitely have a um, the reason for this. Our president gave him permission, straight up gave him permission through his speech, through his actions. You know. Shoot them dead. If I was, I can shoot somebody dead on Pennsylvania Avenue and get away with it. Um, police officers don't need to be nice anymore. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Don't be nice to them. Get them out of here. And so that opened up the eyes. Well, as my president right. said, I can do it. That I can do it. That I can do it. So we need to evaluate ourselves and come November we need to vote right and that's the only solution that is the only solution voting is the only solution to fix this problem now you have people who are ignorant and say my vote does not count my vote does not count number one you saying that my vote don't count is a very much a disgrace to your ancestors and people of old who had died who rioted for you to vote. If they did not care about voting, they would not have did it. Exactly. So that means they cared first for you to vote. So that's a disgrace. That's dishonoring our, our um, ancestors. And number two, voting does work. Let's go back to Ferguson. What did they do? They voted in a councilman. They was going to vote in a black mayor, but I guess that fell through the cracks right. from our research. They brought in a black sheriff and I have to do some more research and see if they bring in a uh, a, uh, a police chief and if that's the case they brought in a black police chief for real <laughs> so and the numbers have went down in Ferguson as far as crime and everything since the sheriff came so that's that's what we need to do we definitely need to vote we need to vote we need to vote not because people are black not because people are handsome, not because a, a woman is fine in a suit and whatnot. You need to vote because you need to listen to her policies. You need to listen to what she want to do for her as domestically. Exactly. I'm tired of foreign foreign policy. You know what I'm saying? That'll work. That can work itself out. You know what I'm saying? We need to fix the problem. That's here. It is a domestic problem. And I think it's an issue that people are keep sweeping up, up underneath the rug and they're not like like resolving it like it the problem needs to be solved like there's no way around it it's going to still be there until someone decides to step to the plate and solve the problem mm-hmm. and it's You're like right. yeah and it's like thing i forgot i was gonna say but why do you think people don't want to vote like a lot of people are so opposed to voting like especially in the when trump first got elected the hillary and trump election not a lot of um people voted or if they did vote it they probably voted for trump mostly why do you 
think that is? Like, well, well, after my research and being in the political field and and whatnot, what happened was um, Hillary Clinton got complacent um, while running for office. Um, uh, let me say this, and black people say this a lot now. Since Joe Biden is, is running, he's a uh, presumptive front runner. Uh, for the Democratic Party. They say that Joe Biden runs on the coattail of Obama. And here's why they're not hip on what politics is. I'm hip on what politics is. I study it, I live it, I sleep it, I breathe it, I read it, I do everything as far as politics. Mm -hmm. Just like you eat, breathe, sleep, being in pharmacies, being a future pharmaceutical. Exactly. But here we go. When you ride the coattail of your vice of your president, it is it gives you an assurance that you may be able to win. However, you still got to put the work in. Of course, exactly. let's go back in time to two thousand and one. So, of course, two thousand and one, Bill Clinton has finished his second term as president. Al Gore is um, about to run for president um, in his place against George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. This is what happened to Al Gore. He deviated from the plan of Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton set the plan up for him to run and win. Now, of course, there was some cheating going on. Of course, you of course. Know, Republicans always want to cheat and whatnot. But they, he set the plan up and he deviated from the plan. Hmm. Bill Clinton had a $500 billion surplus that would have got America out of debt. The question is, what did Republicans do with that $500 billion surplus in 2001? They went to war with it, and now we're trillion dollars in debt. Kerry, Kerry could have used that against Bush and said, hey, President Bill Clinton had... A five hundred dollar surplus. Uh, I said five hundred dollar, five hundred billion dollar surplus, and he and he squandered it. But no, they deviated from the plan. They found out. They they did what they wanted to do, and they lost two years in a row. Obama comes. Of course, he didn't have nobody running against him because he was um, the only Democrat uh, running against. Um, those two candidates. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to 2008. Right. The 2008 candidate was um, uh, uh, John mm-hmm. McCain. Yes. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. John McCain. John McCain really had some Democratic ways, if you were to think about it. He was a true Republican, but in some of his ways, he was like, man, I'm bipartisan. There's some things in here that the Democrats are doing, and I'm definitely going to keep up. See, what happened with John McCain was he chose that crazy lady, Sarah Palin, oh, yes. to be vice president. John McCain first was a vice president um, a candidate that he vetted was, I believe, either a libertarian mm-hmm. or a Democrat. But he said, nah. I'm going to choose Sarah Palin and see if we can get the first lady right. in, you know, an office doing something. Correct. And she messed him up. She did. So, like, so black people, of course, we only make 40-some percent of the population in America. So, of course, black people voted 
and roughly 70-something percent, I believe the numbers are for Obama, which is very, very high. A lot of black people did vote for Obama. But that, is, that did not, that does not vote the president in as far as that. Mm-hmm. Vote the president in was the white folks that Obama appealed to in 2008. Exactly. He appealed to white folks who usually vote Republican. That's what happened. Now, of course, the black vote is very, very powerful. I'm not saying, I'm not, let me go ahead and say that. The black vote is very, very powerful, as we just saw in, um, in, in the primaries for South Carolina and all those southern states that voted for Joe Biden to be uh, our next president of the United States as far as uh, on a Democratic ticket. So let me just go ahead and say that. But when you get enough, when you appeal to the majority of the, uh, the majority, then that's when you get your vote. But so far, the majority, the minority is changing. The majority is going to be Hispanics and a little bit of black people. But the majority is going to be Hispanic. So now it's time to win Hispanic vote. Right. So let's move forward in a timeline to 2012. 2012, you go against uh, Mitt Romney, conservative Republican from Utah, Massachusetts. And he um, he appealed to one voters base, and that was rich white folks that didn't really have no best interests in you know poor black folks, poor white folks, right. you know. And what killed him was when a poor white folk was a server at one of those dinners at the country club or whatnot, and he was talking about po folk and, and just, just being reckless with the tongue talking about po folk. And so that really hurt his and, and hurt his uh voter stock right there. And so that's why he lost that election of course. And then he chose a young person, uh, a former speaker of the house, um uh Ryan, um uh, forgot his first name. Paul Ryan, there we go. Mm-hmm. And um and so people, what that wasn't appealing to a lot of Republican voters. And so that's why Obama won again, landslide. So let's go forward into the election from 2016. Yeah. A recap, Hillary Clinton did not go into the areas of which Obama went. You know, Obama really, really canvassed right. in those white areas, those rural areas. He did an excellent job doing that. So Hillary Clinton got complacent. Hillary Clinton was like, I don't need to go to these places. These are already Democratic counties. These are already Democratic states, Democratic cities. They're going to vote for me regardless. But oh, she forgot. But there were some white folks who don't vote even at all. But when Trump came out and gave out the order to be racist, that he's going to send back Mexicans back over the wall, that appealed to those people. And he and 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 he and he he said that um, black folks and Mexicans are the problem. And in a sense, that's what he was saying. Basically, you can't sugarcoat it. He 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 tried to sugarcoat it, but a, a logical man who knows what he's trying to say knows that that's what he was saying. And that appealed to those people who voted uh, uh, who voted for him, and that's why uh, he won. And so that's the timeline of everything. So 
that's what happens when you don't follow the footsteps of the president who, you know what I'm saying, comes behind you far as that sense. Because they voted you in, they want, probably want the same president, but they can't because, you know, we have our rules and regulations as far as uh, um, powers, you know. Uh, you're going to get eight years of being a president. So you just follow the footsteps. You follow, you just build up at, on that. And so that's what happened. And Hillary Clinton deserved to get her butt kicked. I love her to death. But everybody needs to just line up and put a foot up her butt because she knew better than what she did. Truly. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think she focused like on the bigger states, like you know, Florida, mm-hmm. California. Even Florida voted for Trump mostly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm so confused. I think yeah, Florida was because Florida like a flip state. Like you never know. We can go Republican. We can go Democrat. And that 2016 election, we definitely went Republic, which is interesting. Because you have, like, a lot of... I mean, there is a lot of, you know, white people down here as well. But there's a lot of, like, Latinos. And then we're, like, mm-hmm, a mixed mm-hmm. state. So yeah. that's very interesting as well. I, I don't know, like, I guess Trump, like you said, probably appealed to certain people. And they came out, like, okay, we got to vote. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. He appealed to them, and, and, and he came out. Obama appealed to those same voters. Those voters are secret Obama voters. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. They're not going to tell you, though, because, you know, they're the rich friends and the Republican friends. Mm-hmm. But trust and believe, they went out and voted for Obama. But this time they said, we're not going to vote for neither because Hillary Clinton sounds shady. And it was just her speech and it was her manner, her talk. And trust and believe, she meant well. Hillary Clinton meant well. I have some people that I know that actually worked with her throughout the years. And sometimes she can be a little mean. Mm-hmm. But that was her personality. She was a woman. She said, "I'm, I'm going to demand respect, and I'm going to demand." And that probably with that, that went off wrong on certain people, and that's why a lot of people um, didn't go vote out, vote too. Same thing for Amy uh, Klobuchar, um, Senator Amy Klobuchar. Um, she came off so mean and aggressive, right, uh, from Minnesota, and that's why a lot of people was like, "No, we're not going to vote for this woman." And um, the Kamala Kamala Harris, I love Kamala Harris to death. Took plenty of pictures with her, shook her hand, blah 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 blah. But I'm just gonna be honest, she had a shitty campaign. Whoever was her campaign manager or working on the campaign, who just said, "Hey, let's just try to get the black vote." Oh no! <laughs> let's play this black card. That black card did not work. I don't care that you went to uh, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you grew up on the south side of whatever side of Oakland. I don't know. None of the hoods in Oakland. But I don't care if you grew up in that area. That 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 doesn't that don't matter to people. You're not gonna play that black card. So that's what happened. She played the black card too early. Mm-hmm. What do you mean if it's a campaign strategy? It's a campaign strategy. But it's a campaign strategy that did not work in today's world of voters. Yeah, who are very very educated reading books social media you know what i'm saying i agree so mm-hmm. it's like the the um andrew gulliman who tried to run for the governor of florida he mm-hmm. played that black card heavily too like i graduated from fam you i grew up here here and it's like yes that's appealing but at the same time what 
are you going to do to help us solve the bigger issues? And, I think, and that is true. Yeah, I think that's what they were missing. Well, he was missing the sense. And I feel like a lot of people did go out and vote because I went out and vote that time. But at the yeah. same time, it was like, I don't think it was enough to win him that seat of being the governor. And speaking of black people who ran in 2016, Stacey Abrams, that, that, that was the best campaign I've ever seen as far as my, my life of being in politics so far for the past six years of being in politics. And um, it, it was outstanding. Of course, we had a person who cheated, definitely cheated, definitely should have recused himself as the secretary, um, uh, state secretary, of 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 of, um, of uh, Georgia, um, those are the people who count had the responsibility of counting the votes and stuff. And so he should have been like, "Look, I'm for the let me leave. I'm running for office. I don't need to be the person in charge." Right. Yeah. And so Stacey Abrams did a very very good job. Her demeanor went off. As a, I'm for blacks, I'm for the middle class, low middle class blacks, uh, I'm definitely for the, the poor. But when, when people don't get it, when you can, you, you can be for the poor, but there's so much you can do. That's why you have to get voted in, in order to fix the system, the problem that we have mm. in here. And that problem that needs to be fixed is the welfare and the housing and the Section 8 problem. And that's what my degree and my master's degree I'm working on is, is um, master's in urban planning and regional development at the Alabama A&M University. Um, and, and we talk about how can we fix the system. To me, uh, the system is a crutch that the government owns black people, owns and, and whites. There's poor white folks on there. There's a lot of poor white folks on, on government assistance. Right. Let's not get the numbers. It's there. And it and, and allows them to own you. It allows them to own you. So I would like to fix that problem where, hey, let's try to get these people off of this government assistance. You know what I'm saying? Unless you got a mental illness, right. you know. You're disabled and stuff like that. You definitely deserve it. We deserve it. You deserve to get some care. That's nothing you can do. You can't work. You can't do nothing. The Bible says a man doesn't work. He doesn't eat. So if you're capable of working, you need to get off of government assistance and work. Exactly. Oh, they're going to cut my check off if I get a job. And work. The Bible says a man doesn't work. He doesn't eat. And I know that's probably some people who don't believe in, in what I'm talking about. But, you know, it, and I'm sure there's other proverbs and there's other sayings and different religions that should probably talk about you get your lazy butt up and work. Exactly. So. But why do you think that is? Like, why do you think they're so reluctant not to get off of, like, the sectioning, off the government assistance and go out there and want to do better and more? Like, they, I just not, because, Go ahead. Because, because it's an easy come up. Because it's an easy come of, I sign up for these paper, so I manipulate the system. I tell them I only have five kids, and blah, 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 this and other, do, 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 do. And then I get this free government check, which is really not a lot if you need to think about it. 
It depends on the kids and all the other stuff. Yeah. But it's really not a lot to, you know. And so the system, that system was started back in the, in the 70s. You know what I'm saying? In the 70s. Mm-hmm. And that system actually, and people going to disagree to this one too. I'm still going to say it because <laughs> I heard this from somebody. Somebody said this. And I actually believe and I, I agree to it. That saying that I don't need no man from a woman. Oh, they're saying I don't need no man from a woman. That's been going on for years since government assistance came about because it was stigmatized that, of course, government assistance was given to women and children first, of course. Right. They get the rights for it first. So if the government taking care of me, I don't need you, Negro. That's what they said. I don't need you. So that, that phrase kept on going down the line and line and line because they know that the government's going to take care of them. Now, there is some people to be like, I don't need, I don't need no Negro. I don't need no man because I got me a good job. Mm-hmm. I got me a nice house, nice car. We don't, we're not talking about those people. We know about those people. We're talking about those people who are on government assistance that know that they really don't need nobody because the government's going to take care of them. So they're living in the, the lowest of housing um, that need to be reconstructed and, and need to be fixed. And that's certain housing that looks good. Especially when you get your housing voucher and you qualify for the voucher, you can get you can get a nice apartment. But it depends on the landlord. Right. If the landlord would let you in, you know. So you better, you got to be careful about this stuff. You got to be careful. So I'd rather for the people to just work. Mm-hmm. I'd rather for you to work, and I'd rather for you to um, to find ways to not to not abuse the government assistance and try to find ways to if you definitely if you really 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 need it if you really really need it then then that's when you ask for help but if you're capable of working if you have a family system that supports you and say hey you can come stay with me here's my rules and regulations um um, but you're still going to have to try to get a job if you can, you know. And, and that's that saying, it takes a village. It takes a village. Very much so, it takes a village. And we, we don't lost that way of growing up. We don't lost that way because the old people are, are leaving and dying off and the old people are getting old. And, and um, yeah, we, we, we hard-headed sometimes. I know I'm hard-headed sometimes, but we <laughs> hard-headed sometimes. Truly, you know? I agree. <laughs> I just think... Um, Black people, like like you said, depend too much on the government's assistance when they have to realize that they already probably see us as a threat. So to be on government assistance and to depend on that just proves the bigger picture that we need them more than we actually don't. Like you said, we can go out there and get a job. We can go out there and work. We can be business owners. We can be doctors, lawyers, and all these things. And perhaps being in positions of power to be the ones to make changes and things of that nature, but we're too complacent and comfortable with the way things are down. And now we see the uproar and, like, the outcry of that complacency, in my opinion. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Very, very, very complacent because we know it's there. Exactly. We know it's there, and we know that we can use it, and you guys be complacent with it, and then you get comfortable with it while you're on it. You know, you get comfortable with it. I have friends, you qualify for food stamps, Christian. I say, yeah, I qualify for food stamps. But I got a good church home. You know, I got a family who grew up on that. Don't get me wrong. I grew up 
that that life. Trust and believe. Right. And, and as I got older, we moved to the nice neighborhoods. I lived off of Forest Lane in North Dallas. I lived in Oak Cliff. I lived in, in Grand Prairie. I lived in, in Fort Worth in the nice neighborhoods. I lived in Mesquite, Texas, nice neighborhood. Arlington, a little bit so much a nice a, a nicer neighborhood. Upper class, middle class, uh, Hispanics, and um, black folks. So... With my parents, they grew up in the projects, Palestine, South Dallas, Oak Cliff, North Dallas. You know what I'm saying? They right. grew up like that. That's that's what they that's what they knew. But as they got older, you know what I'm saying? We finna move. We finna move on up. We the Jefferson, and so I and they took me with them, of course. You know, so I got this. I had a chance to see the luxury of of. Um, uh, uh, some luxuries that some people uh, did not were not able to um, to see. So, and I don't claim to be I, like I tell people. I say, look, I'm country hood suburban church boy. That's what I am. A country hood suburban country because my family's from Palestine, West Texas. Hood because I lived in North Dallas for a little bit of my life. Really, the majority of my life um, growing up until the fourth grade, third grade, and then we go to the suburbs of Mesquite, Texas, and 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 and, 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 and we still have some struggles here. Don't get me wrong; it was some struggles in this city. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, 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 um, it, 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 you, you, you just gotta, you just gotta have the, um, the mindset to, to not live off of those type of, in that type of environment and make yourself better. Now, some people can't leave. That's true. Grandma can't leave. She want to though, but she can't leave. Sometimes grandma don't want to leave. Uh, because she said, this is my house. I've been living here for 60 plus years. I raised the grandbabies here when mm-hmm. they come over. You know what I'm saying? That's how it be. But then some of us, we have the, the mind, we had to have the mindset to get up mm-hmm. and, and do that. Grandma, see, grandma, she, she can do that because she, she, she been through it all. Right. You ain't been through, you ain't been through nothing. You got all these opportunities that, a somewhat of a good government that we do have, we do have somewhat of a good government has given you opportunities. That's why I, I say that because sometimes the government needs to be fixed like this criminal justice system. I'm sure we're going to talk about that next. This criminal justice system needs to be fixed. The educational system does need to be fixed a little bit. The prison system needs to be fixed a little bit. Healthcare system needs to be fixed a little bit. About a little bit, a lot. Healthcare system needs to be fixed a lot. This criminal justice system needs to be fixed a lot too. It does. But, but you have there's systems in place where you do have opportunity to get ahead. Exactly. So and we don't take advantage of it. That's what I'm saying. Like we because oh, Negroes Negroes think they entitled. That's what it is. So when you say That's entitled, what, what do you mean? Go in depth on that. Like because oh, I've been, we've been a student for four hundred years. Ooh, they owe us. They owe us. They owe us. Yes, in the sense they owe us. I understand what you're saying. They owe us. But there are some systems in place where there were some good white folks that put it in place. Mm-hmm. Now, is it because of their own political game? Yes, of course. It's politics. Give little to take a little. Give little to play a hardball. Yes. But take opportunity for those opportunities. Take opportunity to go to the HBCUs and get educated. Take opportunity. Take opportunities where there's a system in place where if you live in this county, you get, you have a 3.5 GPA, you get free two-year um, education. Now, after two-year education, you pass the scholarships. 
let's talk about that. Exactly. Um, black young people, let's take an opportunity to write those scholarships if you want to go to college. Take an opportunity to go to them job fairs. It happens after, um, you know, in high school, they do the legit job fair things that people don't want to go to college, but you can work your way up in the company type. Yeah. You know, Kroger's, Walmart, be hiring, just work your way up, you know, and they be paying for college. Exactly. But you're so lazy. you lazy. You have been brainwashed. That's what it is. Brainwashed, you've done that slave mentality. That's considered slave mentality right there. Being on government assistance and stuff of that nature is considered slave mentality. The white folks own you. That's what that is. White America owns you. We own those topics of assistance. That's considered slave mentality. But yet, you still get called a coon because you're not on it and you refuse to be on it. And I said that two days ago. And somebody was like, oh, why would you? Ooh. I said, that's a problem. We don't keep it real with our own people. We allow them to still be in that slave mentality. I refuse to let them be in that slave mentality. I'm going to keep it real. Get off of this crutch. Make something happen. You have two feet. You got arms. You got eyes. You got a tongue. Go get a job. Yeah, make something happen for yourself. It's that simple, like you just said. It really is. Well, you make it so hard. <laughs> but how do you? It's not hard. Exactly. But how do you feel about life as of right now? Like, how is it being black in America at this particular moment? This particular moment, it is right now. It is tough. Mm-hmm. It is tough. I get profiled all the time because I don't always wear a suit and a tie all the time. Sometimes I want to have my little drip, you know, my little my little uh, Nike shorts. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, my Period. Little, my little, yeah, you know, <laughs> my shoes, you know, it's how I look, you know. I know when to cut it on and cut it off. Right. That's the thing, though. Police officers don't know when we're cutting it on and cutting it off. And that's one department I wanted to talk about some solutions of how to fix the problem. Um, there should be a solution. The solution is we need to have a programs in place for our police officers. Of course, we need to go to the psychological background. We need to do a extensive background. We need to go back and see if you were bullied in high school. Okay, I agree with that. <laughs> because that's how far we need to go. Yeah. That's how far we need to go. Number one. We need to see was you abused by your father or your mother or your auntie or uncle or cousin. Same thing as being bullied. That like, we'll, we'll just put it together as, as being bullied. We need, yeah. we need to find figure that out because I think that it's a psychological thing where you what triggers you in your mind to have somebody handcuffed, laying him on the ground, have your knee on the man's neck, and he utters the word, I can't breathe, sir. At first, I thought he said, I can't breathe, S-H-I-T, shit. But when the analyst looked at it and listened to it deeply, they said, I can't breathe. He said, I can't breathe, sir. And so, that is a, I think that's a psychological thing. It's an anger management problem. So, we, so that's one thing. So you need to have this background. You need, 
extensive background going back to uh, go to middle school. Okay. <laughs> we <laughs> be honest. School. And you need to have a anger management classes. Mm-hmm. Far, far as training, we need to have cultural classes. Get educated. White culture. That you that you probably very very know about uh, as far as a police officer if you're a white police officer, black culture, African American culture, Spanish culture. You need to patrol those areas and learn what's going on around there. Oh, that's Bobo. He ain't gonna do nothing. He just be all talk. That dude right there, you know, he good. But what happened was his daddy left him, and which is no excuses and stuff. But still, you be like, well, he does have some problems. He needs some extra help. Okay, okay, okay. Then. What about him over here? Oh, that's Pastor. What's the name? Pastor, what's the name? He be on our side. He be giving out. You know, you need to connect with him, especially if that's your area of patrolling. Yeah, gotta know your community. You need to learn those. You need to learn. Yeah, learn your community. So, and and you definitely, definitely need to take. I'll have police officers. This is a solution. I have police officers taking um a sociology class or something of that nature. Because you need to learn more than one people. Sociology is learning two or more people, one or more people, I believe. Um, uh, that's the time. Two or more people, or one or more people, one of them. But you definitely need to learn, uh, have, have, have a sociology class or somebody teaching something about sociology. So you can learn the people. You learn more than one people. That's so true. I think it's too easy to be a cop, to be honest. Like... All you gotta do, mm-hmm. all you gotta do is go to like, the police academy. My, my 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 undergrad degree is in criminal justice, political mm-hmm. science, and so um, uh, uh, they they come in hiring all the time. They say you just need fifteen credit hours or something. Yeah. Majority, majority math, reading, and, and writing, and you go through the little six months program. Yeah. and you're a police officer. That's so, yeah, crazy right, to me. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So I think that's what we need um, to fix that problem here in America. Is we do we definitely need a criminal justice system, and I and and I call on our representatives to I call on our representatives. Excuse me okay. to um, to to take action, and uh, this 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 may sound harsh to a lot of people, but to me this is this is this is the best solution to me. So you're a police officer, you're wearing a badge, you took an oath, you're supposed to serve and protect, but you abuse the badge, you abuse the oath, you abuse the power of that badge. You kill somebody while abusing that badge, you do wrong while abusing that badge, especially, especially killing somebody, you deserve a harsher punishment. Exactly. And here's the punishment if I was in legislative. Here's the punishment. And I know this on the record. I know a lot of people going to hear this. But this is what I would like to push. If you don't like it, if, it's, if there's something better you can think of, then please call me. Go for it. Give me a call. <laughs> you know? But I say that if you, the punishment should be for those who abuse the badge, abuse the oath, and a result of an unlawful murder such as Mr. Floyd. Right. Trayvon, well, not Trayvon Martin, Mr. Floyd and and uh, uh, Brown. Blaine. And, 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 mm-hmm. All of those people. What you do is 
you the punishment is capital murder. Because we supposed to hold you at a higher standard. You're a police officer, you're a badge. You were trained to serve and protect. So you abusing that power by taking somebody's life unlawfully. So I say 99 years to life or the death penalty. Make a believer out of these people. I'll make a believer out of you. I bet you won't do it again. I promise you they will. You're gonna be in 99 years. Yeah. You're gonna get 99 years. Or you get the death penalty. They'll be so that careful. That goes for black ones. That, that goes for black ones too. That goes for the white ones, Hispanics. I'm gonna make a believer out of you. No, 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 hold on, hold on now. You know, you know they passed that law. We can't do it. You can't, you're going to get 99 years. And then when you get that 99 years, I hope they whoop your tail in prison. And you know how they will be like very, you know, they will not do certain things because they know like that's going to happen if they do end up killing a person on duty and things like that. So, yeah, I think things would change really quickly. And if and if and if and if years and death is too much, then I just go ahead and say fifty. But I really want to push for ninety nine years because you took an oath. Right. You got a badge. You got a gun. You got a a, 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 a rifle. And in your squad car, you got a shotgun in your squad car. You got all this equipment of of death, and you use it to kill people unlawfully. Same. So we you definitely you definitely gotta have a harsher punishment. And that's what I that's what I told uh Congresswoman Karen Bass on her on her uh on her uh, uh voicemail. You need to do something about it because you you are the chair of Congressional Black Caucus and you see what's going on. And I don't I don't need no statement. Don't give me no statement. I'm tired of statements. I need action. Or you will get voted out. Period. And also, what do you feel as if, you know, about the provoking? Do you feel like some people provoke the police officers in a sense? Or no? That's why you need to have the training. Okay. That's why you need to have the discipline training. It's all discipline. Some of them people are not going to hurt a fly, but there is some people who will hurt a fly. You know what I'm saying? And you definitely got to protect yourself. But you can. That's ways of protecting yourself for that. If I have to pull out my gun to shoot somebody because that person is charging me with a knife, charging me with a, a gun, shooting at me, that, that's, oh, that is lawful right there. Right. You're supposed to. But if I got somebody handcuffed... They're just talking... <laughs> <laughs> and running their mouth. That was considered torture. He tortured that man. He toured with that man. As, as, as somebody said on 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 um this morning on a morning Joe, I could I can't remember which which um a political analyst or, or a correspondent or somebody from MSNB said that was considered torture. Mm. And it just hurts my heart because it could have been me. Hey boy, what you doing? Oh, I'm just coming from Kroger's. What you buy? I had a dream about that. Like, dang, I just I go to Kroger's a lot because you know, I like my little snacks and whatnot around the house, <laughs> you know. 
And I think about that. It could have been me, but I don't know. Maybe God, God has his heads of protection around me so far. You know, and then it's, it's we don't know when we don't know when my days is gonna come. For a woman, I know Sandra Bland's mother. We call her Mama G. Mm-hmm. She lives in East Texas. She moved and moved to Texas. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe because she just felt like I need to be where my daughter passed away. That's date. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and let me tell you something. <laughs> Sometimes it, it hurts her. She'll tell you. She'll say, Christian, hey, baby, I don't feel like talking today. And what you say is, yes, ma'am, give me a call when you're free. And and it still hurts her. And I, we see a road dog, too. Let me tell you about Sandra Bland, Mother Mama G, Miss Geneva. She a road dog. Man, we went out to eat. She'll get a couple drinks. You know what I'm saying? Right. She cool, cool people. Just imagine how her daughter was. And she cool. I'm talking about cool. Baby, you gonna eat? Come on, baby, give me a hug. Come to ooh, come get me. Come take a picture of me, handsome. Yeah. I was supposed to go for the movie that came out HBCU. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said HBCU, the movie that came out HBO. Uh-huh. That that they featured. We were supposed to go to the premiere, but I couldn't get the plane ticket in time to go to New York. And I think I was still in school or football or whatnot. I think it was just um, schooling, and um, I couldn't, I couldn't make it. But she gave us free tickets and everything to go. Just had to pay for all the hotel and all the other stuff. But the tickets were free. Red carpet, you know. Mm-hmm. Mama G is fun. It's just so sad that her daughter's life was taken in my state, close to PV. I don't know if that was Waller County. I know PV is Waller County. I don't know which county it was, but it was close to that area. But yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we need to fix this problem. It's a terrible problem. Jeez Louise. And it's just, you don't hear much of the black officers doing nothing. You just hear so much of the white officers doing something. So is it a psychological thing? That's what you have to understand. And so that's why I asked the question or, or, or say that we need to put in place a system that allows, you know, assistive background check and psychological reviews and a sociology class to learn more about people, right. you know, a cultural class where you have to learn the culture, you know. All that. All of that. And it's just so sad, man. So sad. I need a knee on somebody's neck. It's insane. And it's like, when is enough going to be enough? Like, it doesn't make sense at all. Man. But as, uh, but as but far as that... Yeah. I said these representatives just need to step up and they need to do that job. And, that's, and I push the fact because... We next. We we are next. You're going to get voted out. I hope somebody listens to this because you're going to get voted out. You're going to get voted out. He said it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming strong and I'm coming hard, too. I'm coming strong and I'm coming hard. I'm coming with the facts. I'm coming with the symbolic um, interaction with things, living in the neighborhoods. I can tell you that I don't work at UPS, Kroger's, all those white collar, not white collar, those um, those middle class, uh, 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 those middle class type jobs, blue collar mm-hmm. jobs. That's just 
call them those blue collar jobs and I, I worked at Sanderson Farms so I know the pain of those people that that you that you're supposed to represent because I, I am one of those people I am one of those people God do better so you need to do your job that's all that's what that's the, that's the message I want to send out to everybody um, who um, who, uh, uh, who who was in the office right now do your job God, do your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as far as that, do you have any more final words? Like, <sighs> any last, anything else you want to get out your chest? Any last moment, whatever? Like, what advice can you give for people out here who's like, who is African-American who is trying to deal with the situation? People who aren't African-American but want to support the African-American culture. Look, I, when, when I tell those people, I, I, first of all, I applaud them. I want to thank you um, for uh, working diligently and hard as far as the effort, knowing and seeing a problem, um, just like in the 1950s and 60s, and, and slavery as well. There's a lot of good white folks and a lot of people who have different ethnicities um, um, that, um, that saw the problem and um, we and and, and um, definitely need to excuse me definitely need to uh, 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 can continue um, with the efforts uh, and I applaud those people and um, just continue to help in our efforts um, continue to help in our efforts and um, don't worry we see those people who are helping us for as far as people of different races and um, different uh, economic backgrounds and whatnot who are helping us. And we also see the people who don't care, too. Yeah. So trust and believe we see the people who don't care. We see it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for being on this episode. It does mean a lot, and I do appreciate it. Man, I do appreciate you as well. Also, before I leave, I would like to give my condolences to the family of Mr. Floyd up there in Minnesota and the condolences of, of all the victims who have been murdered um, senselessly um, by the hands of police officers who are um, put in place to serve and protect. And for the police officers as well, we know that there are good police officers and bad police officers. And for the 99% of those good police officers, we appreciate you. We applaud you for your work and your hard work in our communities. And for those 1% of the police officers who just want to, they want to do wrong, the bad apples, um, definitely this is when you definitely use prayer. Uh, we're definitely going to pray for you, and we're hoping that God um, uh, come to your mind, come to uh, uh, spirit dwells in you, and, and show you the light, show you the way that um, that you need to do better um, while you wearing those badges and while you carrying those guns and tasers and pepper spray and and, and um, billy clubs or nightsticks, whatever they call them. And so uh, that's all I want to say. I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. Hopefully in the future there will be more. And the change starts with the people. And we the people need to step up and we need to, you know, have a voice. We need to say something. 
not just only african-american and black people other people from different races need to speak up as well because they see this as a problem it is a problem this is a culture and society issue and something needs to be given there's no reason that black people and african-american people have to fight for their own lives there's no reason whatsoever we can agree and we can disagree about this all day long but at the same time other races need to come together with us and understand that this is a collective issue. If we want change, we all have to come together to work upon change. You sit here and support the black culture, then you should be willing to support the black life as well. There's no excuse whatsoever. And I love to and I love seeing the diversity of protests that are happening in Atlanta. I love in Minneapolis and Los Angeles. I love seeing the diversity. I love seeing the culture. I love seeing people come together from different races to understand that this is a problem. And this problem needs to be fixed. Too many of us are complacent. Too many of us are comfortable with the way society has been treating African American people and even minorities. But right now we're focusing on African-American people. Society has become too comfortable with the way the treatment of how African-Americans are being treated. It's a problem and the problem needs to be resolved. Like the audacity, the audacity of this lady and this video went viral of her having the courage to call the police officers, the police department, saying that this African-American male was going to hurt her. The audacity. But this is the comfortability that I'm talking about that's happening in America. Our voice need, needs to be heard and they're going to be heard. When change happens, that's when we can say, hey, we can stop doing what we're doing right now. But until that change happens, someone needs to hear this outcry. And it's, it's, not, it's full of rage and anger, but it's from a place where we're concerned with our lives in America. Because, like, once again, this is supposed to be the land of the free. And how far we have come, we are still stuck in the period where we need to go even further. Because in all actuality, we can go even farther. It's a time and a place for everything. So if you support black culture and you aren't supporting the black life and what the black life represents, then how do you call yourself proud to be for the human race and for society and its people? I don't get it. We can always go back over to this country being the land of the free, but are we really free if we're still tied into social issues that there is no justice and there's no peace for people of color? It doesn't make sense. And if you're going to have an argument, if you're going to have a basic valid reason of saying all lives matter versus all black, li black lives matter, then have a sound and have a valid argument and come with points and come collective Meanings that can portray what you're trying to say. The world is at a tipping point. This is 2020 and we haven't even got halfway through the year. 
I think the earth is crying. I think the world is crying for a change. Needless to say, we dealt with the coronavirus. We dealt with important people dying this year. And now we're dealing with another another issue that seemed to be a problem that most of us forgot. But we were slightly reminded at the beginning of February. This issue has not disappeared. This issue has still been present. Racism is still alive today. And if you have not experienced racism, then you cannot say that this is not a serious issue because this is a issue. This is not just an issue of whether black lives matter. This is a human rights issue. Our lives are being threatened. How can that be when we live in America? Like how? And then we wonder the president that of the United States of America decides to divide instead of unify its people. So I'm going to leave off with this. We are in 2020. We have a voting election that's going to be happening soon. As young people, as people of the voice, as people of the future, we have the opportunity to change the next four years of our life. We can sit idle by and be outraged or we can actually use our voices and actually go to the poll and make changes and vote. Do the little things that we do around here collectively come together to make something big and something historic. Voting is one of those things. You have to be proactive. You have to educate yourself on the system, on on the issues, and on the policies that are happening in this very moment. Because each and every single thing that happens, each and every single tactic that's being placed, and each and every single law that's being pushed, these are all things that can affect us in the future. But we don't care about it so much. But now we have to. Because lives are at stake here. A human race is at stake here. Something has to give. And if you want change, you have to start. You have to start with yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is not attacked only on black men, but this is an attack on black women. This is an attack on black culture and what it stands for and what it represents. People have died willingly for this cause, for African-American people to be able to walk on these streets and not be able to be judged by the color of their skin. It doesn't make sense. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., all these people that are known for proactively trying to change a cause and trying to change a movement. We're talking about kids that died in a church back in the day were burnt alive. These are the things that we have to discuss and these are the things that we have to sit back and digest as a human race. And understand that this is just wrong. (laughs) 
it comes in a time and a point where you have to self-reflect and you have to understand that being black in America was never easy. And it might not ever be easy, but at the same time, that does not give a right to any person's life based on the color of their skin. Who put you in charge of being judge, jury, and executioner? Nobody gave you the right to do that. These are people's lives we're playing with. It's as if they're trying to kill off a whole race within itself. It's not fair. It's wrong. It's dead wrong. And enough is enough. Because how can you be for something, but then don't speak out about it? I, I don't understand. I, I It bothers me because it's not only, like I said, it's not only attack on black men and black women. This is attack on black people in general. And it's attack on my blackness and your blackness if you are black. So this no longer just affects men. It affects women as well. It affects children as well. Because if we don't start making a change, our children will be growing up in this struggle. And their children will grow up. Unless a change starts right now, unless we decide to take a stance, this generational cycle of, you know, cultural, you know, dying off a whole culture and race and all this, it's going to still continue. And at this point, it looks like we're just going backwards. But as of right now, that's all I have to say on this issue at the moment (laughs) but if you want to know the personal chronicles of my life as always you're going to follow me on instagram and twitter well instagram at honeyrada underscore and twitter at desiree if you want to know more about the podcast and all those lovely things that follows with jbc you can always follow us at jbc the podcast on facebook instagram twitter and tumblr once again my name is desiree woods this is juice pod chronicles the podcast Thanks for listening and tune in for another episode next week, Sunday at 12 noon. And we are out.